Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Good morning everybody and it's Monday. Welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs and this morning I've got a special guest in my studio with me. Her name is Zanashka Stein and she is one of our national treasures. She makes the red wines at Niederberg and I'm speaking to her because Niederberg Baron has got a special birthday this year. So we're going to find out all about that but we're also going to find out about the person who is making this iconic wine. Zanashka, thank you so much for joining me. Hi. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. So as I said, we'll get on to the wine in a minute. But what I really do in my podcasts and my, my interviews is to try and find out a little bit more about the person behind the bottle or the person whose soul is inside the bottle. So I did discover that you came from Clarksdorp which, as I said, we can forgive you for that, but tell me the story of your origins in, in Clarksdorp. Uh, yes, Gary. So, firstly, I just want to start off by saying that uh, it is a magnificent honor to be part of the winemaking team that is carrying the legendary Günther Brosel's vision of the Baron and making up the 50th celebration blend and yeah, just the magnitude of this blend and um, the heritage and the legacy, it's an amazing honor to be part of this. And especially for me, coming from Clarksdorp of all places. I know, um, Clarksdorp must be so proud of you. Can you imagine? They must be so proud that one of their, uh, their inmates has actually elevated themselves <laughs> to, the, to the high echelons of that gorgeous, gorgeous space that is Niederberg. Yeah. Yes, and it's actually quite ironic um, because I, I always make a joke and say that I grew up on brandy and beer and not necessarily wine. So, and here I am today working for one of the biggest, most uh, well-known and most awarded wineries in South Africa. It's really, really You know, really I was trying to, I was trying to remember the other day, I interviewed your cellar master last year for something or other. And I think Niederberg had just been awarded some unbelievable status um, in an international brand survey. In an internationally researched brand survey last year or the year before, Niederberg was rated the 54th most successful brand in the world. And that is an amazing, it's an amazing accolade for a little winery from South Africa. I mean, let's be honest, we're sort of sitting down in the sort of ass end of the world, right down at the bottom. Not many people know or even care about us, quite frankly. And we're doing an amazing job of flying this flag and saying, here we are. And if you dig a little bit deeper, to have a, to have a brand in a wine industry, which is a relatively small part of South Africa, to be rated 54th in the world, I thought it was brilliant. But enough of that. I want to know about you before we start singing from the rooftops about Baron. We will in a minute because it's a gorgeous one. I always remember it was when I was a kid, we used to call it Niederberg Bar One. It was always the Bar One. It was the best chocolate in the box, you know. It was just gorgeous. But we'll get on to that. 
You grew up in Clarksdorp. You went to school in Orkney, I think you said. And then you decided that you wanted to become a brandy maker. Why? Just because you love brandy so much. Yes, and one thing that my uncle actually said to me is that you will always have a job if you work in the alcohol industry because South Africans will never stop drinking. (laughs) That's true. It's absolutely true. So you decided to go and make brandy. Tell us. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, we moved to Worcester after I matriculated in 2005. So I matriculated that year and the year after that my sister actually went to primary school. So we are 13 years apart and um, yeah, my dad actually worked on the mines his whole life and he hurt his back so he couldn't continue and my parents decided to make a clean break and start afresh in the Western Cape. So I actually enrolled at Stellenbosch University for chemical engineering with the aim of becoming a brandy maker at the end of the day. That was quite a hectic choice. I mean, let's just be honest, to become a chemical engineer, to make brandy, you could have come to my house and I would have shown you how to make it. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to go to university for seven years. (laughs) Yeah, so I always say, unfortunately, but fortunately, things didn't work out. And I believe strongly that God always has the better plan. Um, than you have for yourself and yeah things didn't work out but in the end they actually worked out perfectly because um, I had to take I had to take a two-year gap after we arrived in Worcester because circumstances just didn't allow me to go and study um, immediately and uh, during these two years I actually fell in love with the Cape Winelands and the idea of making wine taking a product of nature and turning it into something beautiful and just the hands-on of the pro uh, the process um, that just captured me and I went to see Umbeli van Sale at Ausenberg Agricultural College and the rest is history. And you you graduated from Ausenberg and you went to work at Overhex Winery. That's correct. Yes. From Overhex, you went to the KWV. Did you make some brandy at the KWV? <laughs> No, so actually after I finished studying, my first harvest intern job was at KWB. So I was a harvest intern in the white wine cellar for four months, from January to April. And I was very, very fortunate. On the last day of my contract with them, or in the last week, I went for the interview at Overhex. And uh, I literally finished the Friday and I started the Monday as actually a cellar assistant at Overhex Private Cellar. So I was wow. quite fortunate to uh, immediately jump into a permanent position. I don't then, think it's fortunate. I think it's because you're a very good winemaker. That's why. <laughs> we try. That's why it is. <laughs> Somehow the better you are and the harder you work, the luckier you get. You know, It's just one of those things. <laughs> so how long were you at KWV for? Um, yes, so at KWV I actually worked in the pre-bottling cellar. So I prepared all the wines for bottling and made sure everything was within specification and delivered to bo- to the bottling line on time in full. And I spent about three years there, after which I decided that I wanted to get back into the wine making part of things. And there was a position open at Glenwood Vineyards in Franschhoek Boutique Winery. And, uh, it's the most gorgeous winery. I love Glenwood. And did yes. you work with DP Burger? 
Yes, such a great mentor that guy. Gorgeous, so much, gorgeous man. So much thankful, thankfulness towards him as well for where I am in my career today. Yeah, no, he he's definitely. I always say in everybody's career that's whether it's successful or not, along the way there's there is a mentor somewhere that gave you that jet fuel that you need to actually get yourself into space. You know, everybody's got that yes. mentor. I'm sure D.P. Berger must have been one of yours. So you worked at Glenwood, who. I think to this day, in my opinion, still makes some of the best Chardonnay that we that we have in the country. Yes. And then you went, you got snatched up by Nederberg to go and be an assistant red winemaker. 2018, I think it was. Hmm? That's correct, yes. And off you went. In the meantime, had you got married? Had you had children? What were you doing? Um, so I actually got married in 2017 in October so it will be six years this year so that was before I before I actually started at Niederberg and we were actually living in Franschhoek on Chamonix farm in a farmhouse with two cats and three dogs so we love our pets they are children at this what kind of dogs have you got and uh, so we've got two Yorkies and then one dog dog we adopted her. So <laughs> like she a real a dog. Of, she's a proper dog, yes. <laughs> a Yorkie's like a fish moth. A Yorkie is like a little <laughs> fish moth. They're the same color and they're so tiny. You've got a, two, two fish moths and a real dog. Yes, something like that. <laughs> and, then, and then how many children have you got? Well, are those your children? Those are our children currently. So I've got two children. Is, they come in the form of Scottish Terriers, and I've oh. got two children. And I've told my son, who has a fiancé, they want to have children. And I said, well, unless, unless Rachel can give birth to a Scottish Terrier, I don't want to be a granny. <laughs> Shame. So she's got a bit of a tall order. So you took the job as assistant red winemaker. Is your husband in the wine industry? So, uh, just a correction there. Or is it a husband wife. or is it a wife? Okay, cool. It's, it's a wife. I just and thought about she... that. As I said that, I thought that's a bit sort of presumptuous. No, it's, it's fine. No, she's also in the wine industry. She's a, a bookkeeper at Courmont Club Cup Classic and Champagne in Portugal. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice bubbles. Did you drink yes, some yesterday while bubbles. you watched the tennis? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't watch the tennis. We were busy crying and having baron <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon with some music in the background. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, I digress. You, you joined Niederberg, which, as you say, is a great privilege. It is, Niederberg is literally one of the strongest pillars of our South African wine industry, I think. And we've got many people to thank for that, not least of whom Gunter Brozel. Did, you would never have met the man, I don't suppose, hey? Or did you? I actually was quite privileged. On the 26th of January this year, he visited the farm with a group of friends. And that was literally a week after we finished blending the 2022 vintage of the barrel. So I had the privilege of sharing a sample with him and getting his feedback on what he thought about the blend. And that was, I think that was one of the biggest milestones in my career. 
massive highlight. I mean, he's just, he is one of the fathers of wine in this country, and he elevated Niederberg to, to sort of levels that were unimaginable for us. And you know, I say it a million times in so many of my interviews, it's relatively easy to produce one or two barrels of stellar, sparkling, scintillating, shiny wine. It's not so easy to produce thousands and thousands of liters of good quality wine, which is which is what Niederberg does. And it also, not only does it produce thousands and thousands of liters of good quality, it ranges from Baron, which everybody can afford, right the way through to the top end labels that they produce that we can, I don't know, we used to get them out of the Bergkölder, I'm sure we still can. Um, wines that are internationally fit to go into most competitions. So are you producing all of those from the Volkswagen Beetle to the Bentley? Yes, me, my assistant winemaker and a very dedicated and passionate team of about 30 cellar assistants. And then Samuel at the home as well. Yeah, Samuel's so amazing I, as well. Yeah, I always say um, it's important to note that what we do at Niederberg is ultimately a team effort. Um, nothing goes without running it through Samuel and even Andrea Freeborough, who is the head of winemaking and viticulture for Heineken. So yes. at the moment, she and Samuel are my two biggest vendors. And I have so much respect and love for them um, because they have helped me and guided me in this new position. I, I reached it quite quickly, quicker than I could have anticipated when I started as assistant winemaker. Yeah. And they've just made the journey seamless for me, along with, with my team, my guys in the cellar. You know, that's, that's got a lot to do with what you mentioned earlier as well. It's destiny. I do believe in destiny. And you were destined to do that. So whether you were doing it in 2019 or 2018, or that's your, that's your path. That's what you have to be doing, and you're doing it really, really well. Let's talk about bar one and what's inside it and how you make it. And it's selling so cheaply in Johannesburg at the moment. Everybody, in fact, one of my colleagues here at, at Solid Gold said that he'd bought some at Checkers over the weekend and they filled their weekend with Niederberg Baron as well because it's just on special, I presume, for its birthday. What's the current blend and the current vintage that we're drinking? Okay, so the current vintage that's just been released into the market is the 2022 vintage. And we've actually done a, a very nice pack upgrade, which is one of the Yes. Can we see can it see with the 50th sticker at the bottom. That'll be a collectible so, for anybody who wants to collect some and sell it in 20 years' time. Yes, definitely. I, I absolutely love this new label. And mm. I think they're actually talking about keeping it like this. Obviously, the next vintage just won't have the 50th sticker yes. at the bottom. Yes. Um, but yes, the 2022 vintage consisting of 49% Cabernet Sauvignon. 43% Shiraz and 9% other cultivars. So um, I do think that this brand's success comes from the consistency each year yeah. in terms of the blend that was conducted. And you do put you do put a, a vintage on it, so you can't back blend anything. I mean, we can't sort of do a, 
a fino kind of system where where we where we're topping up from better vintages, hey? Yes, and I must say it does sell out every year. So mm. nothing to be back blended. Is it dare I ask if it's a loss leader for Niederberg? Because I mean I can't believe that you can sell that wine for eighty Rand a bottle or whatever it is and make any money out of it. It must be a loss leader for Niederberg. You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we we have a, a bit of an internal debate about that as well because the wine itself, the intrinsic is definitely over delivering in terms of, of price class, but we Absolutely. do have the benefit of volume of scale. Yeah. Um, How much do you in bottle? Everything we do. So I'm not actually sure if I'm allowed to disclose. Okay, the exact but it's amount. lots and lots and lots, eh? But we have a saying that goes that uh, if you were to work out the amount of Baron, um, if you, let me just get it uh, correctly here, if you were to calculate the number of bottles of Baron consumed in South Africa, it would equate to one bottle being opened every 15 seconds. And that's just the Baron. Well, at least, at least we're sort of sticking to our guns and we... And we're drinking, we're drinking local is liquor, you know. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. One every 15 seconds. Yes. Okay. So that's how we... big this blend is. Yeah, it um, is. I know it's a very, very big part of Niederberg. And quite rightly so. I mean, for 50 years, it's been a, one of the most loved labels in the country. So that's, that's Niederberg Baron. If you were to tell my listeners about it, would you advise them to keep it or to just drink it? Well, when Gunther set out to make this wine 50 years ago, there was an unthinkable first that South Africans actually de developed during the 1970s. So we ran into a shortage of dry red wines. And Gunther saw this gap and wanted to create a wine for everyday drinking. Um, it should have been affordable and easy drinking but with a sense of pedigree, charm, and nobility to it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I decided to go with Cabernet Sauvignon, the, the king of the reds, for the structure and the body of the wine. And it will always have um, at least more than 40% Shiraz as well, adding that fleshier, more spicy side to the wine. So mm -hmm. I do get this question. I actually got it last week when I was visiting Pretoria as well. So how long can I keep this? Mm. Um, we do still have some bottles of the 1973, which Gee. are actually still drinking quite well. Yes, that's amazing because so, the 70s was not a brilliant decade for for red wine in South Africa. I've tasted some 70s that are questionable to say the least, but that's amazing. Yeah, and I'm actually looking forward to uh, we're gonna have lunch with Gunther probably next week or the week after that. And I haven't had the, the privilege of tasting the 73 yet, but then we're going to open a bottle of the 73 and do a bit of a vertical tasting of a few of the, of the um, vintages that was produced. So I'm that's really gonna, looking That's going to be an amazing tasting, amazing yes. tasting. So do you and your team, well, let's get back to basics. The grapes for Niederberg Baron, do you buy them in? Do you grow them yourself? Do you oversee all of that? Do they come from the same vineyards every year? Talk to me. 
Yes, so Niederberg as being part of the Distel Group and now Heineken obviously has uh, long-standing contracts with grape producers. So we have about 44 grape producers and our viticulturalist Isabel Tebus is working hand-in-hand with all of them to make sure that the specific blocks that we acquire from them are farmed in accordance to the skew that it's going to end up in at the end of the day. So yes, we do have specific producers for the blocks of Cabernet and Shiraz that goes into the Varan, and Isabel and the growers take care of managing those blocks accordingly for the style that we're aiming for in the bottle at the end of the day. Okay, so it's I think that probably goes towards the continuity of the quality of the of the the wine in question. Um, if you were buying in different from different growers every single year, it tends not to have that um, that consistency that Baron has just become so famous for. So Baron is one of our favourites. It's unbelievably inexpensive. It's handcrafted. It tastes like it's handcrafted. It doesn't taste like a mass-produced wine. Um, it should be on everybody's list. And I think it probably has been on every wine lover's list at some stage or another as their staple go-to red, because it just is. You know that if you buy a bottle of Niederberg Baron, you're never going to be embarrassed. You can always afford it. It graces any dinner, lunch, breakfast table if you want red wine at breakfast. But it's just one of those things. It's one of those things in South Africa that we can rely on. So thanks to you and your team for, for continuing that legacy because it is in such a, a transient world, a world that changes. Every hour there's something different and every day there's something different. I was chatting to the, the kids in my sort of technical backup department this morning. I was cleaning out some of my bookshelves over the weekend and I found an old book that had been given to my great-grandmother in London in 1885. And she'd won it for being an, the best Sunday school student. Well, I don't, know how, I don't know how that happened because it hasn't sort of rolled down through the ages. But anyway, it was a little book that was called The Five Giants and How to Fight Them. And it was quite a hectic book for little children. And the giants were like selfishness, um, heathenism, covetousness, all those terrible, deadly, not the seven deadly sins, but almost. <laughs> and so I was paging through it while I was cleaning out the bookshelf. And I thought, let me just have a look at the back. And I look in the dying pages of the book to see what the final sort of summation of this. And it says, and the fifth giant is intemperance. And that giant is your biggest, biggest, biggest enemy. And whilst they weren't asking the children to sign a pledge of any sort to slay this giant, they just wanted the children to make a solemn promise to themselves with the help of God that they would never, ever, ever drink wine. Because wine <laughs> brought on wine brought on this intemperance, which was going to lead you to do all kinds of things that you would never otherwise normally have done. It was absolutely hilarious. I couldn't believe it. So we don't want to tell everybody that they mustn't drink wine. 
because I think everybody does need to drink wine. In, in fact, to guard against becoming intemperate. But yep. we don't want to encourage too much drinking, but we do want to encourage um, everything that Niederberg Baron embodies, which is reliability, intrinsic good, quality, honesty, sincerity. That's what that brand stands for. It's brilliant. So that's Absolutely. Baron. And three cheers to you and all of you for for making sure that that stays like that. But before I allow you to go and say goodbye, you make a whole lineup of wines. And the red wines from Niederberg are legendary, all of them. Are you also making that range, which is the motorcyclist and the... the you making those as well? Yes. So They're we literally gorgeous. take care or we literally... Um, make everything from the classic, which is our entry levels, Baron, Wine Masters, Manor House, Heritage Heroes, and Private Bin. So, and I think it's important to get that message out there as well. People should understand that it's the same winemaking team taking care of literally everything at Niederberg. We don't have a dedicated winemaker who only specializes in selecting the seven best barrels for our private bin or the 20 best barrels for our heritage yeah. heroes. It's literally myself and Peter, uh, the white wine maker, taking care of the whites with our teams. And we literally take care of everything. And I can assure you that every brand and every SKU that we produce literally receives the same love, care and attention. Oh, you can taste you, it in the bottle. We love all our children equally. It's a massive, it's a massive task. I mean, I just don't know how you find the time in the day to get all of that done. The last time I came to taste was with Rose Van Michici. He invited me to come down. He'd found a whole lot of, it was almost like a library collection um, that he'd been putting together. I think he was there for about 14 years. And he made a couple of wines under his own sort of, not his own label, it was a Niederberg label, but it was just private stuff that he was experimenting with. I don't know if you've found them or fallen upon them. And I spent a very happy day at Niederberg with Rose Van, and we tasted through. How many red wines, how many different SKUs do you produce? Well, Carrie, to be honest, you, you said now you don't know where I find the time. Sometimes I also don't know where I find the time. No, it's impossible. <laughs> but uh, I must be honest and say that uh, Samuel has been the red winemaker here. He started in 2007 as assistant winemaker and worked his way up to being red winemaker in 2015 and then stepped up as cellar master in 2021. And that man is really amazing. If I should choose a top mentor for myself in my career, it would be Samuel. And I know, not he's just a machine. He's my boss, and I'm trying to score brownie points now. But Yeah, it's nearly Christmas food. time. It's that bonus. I know it's that bonus. <laughs> Samuel is a machine. He is an absolute so, machine. We know that. And he's installed so much systems and uh, checkpoints and stuff in our processes that it literally made it so easy for me to just step in and, and take over and run with the system. So we have a big whiteboard in my office um, with all the SKUs written down on them and you were asking. So in total, not just for Niederberg, we do some Fleur de Cup and Zonnebloom blends here as well. We oh, do, do you? Barrels. Okay. Just in your spare so time? In total, 
Yes. <laughs> so in total, I have about 33 SKUs that I need to produce each year. And I can That's give you a quick one. rundown. So we, we spent, um, we usually spend a week or two tasting through all the barrels and tank components of each vintage. So it's usually myself, Samuel and Andrea. And then we taste all, all the tanks and the barrels that were allocated to certain products to check the quality. Are we still happy? Do we need to move some stuff around to yeah. finalize the blends basically? So it's a, a whole tasting process, doing bench blends, seeing if we are where we want to be at. And then once we're done with that, it, it literally takes a week, tasting from 8 o'clock in the mornings until 4 in the afternoons making a lot of notes and then once they leave me I need to go and sit and decipher those notes and do the planning. So we kicked off last last week, we finished with the new 2022 Winemaster Spinotage and uh, from this week onwards, yes. So from this week and onwards... And what's the, we'll, it, to interrupt you, what's the 2022 vintage tasting like? Nice. Awesome, yes, yeah. Um, the quality overall was good during the vintage as well, good colors, nice acidities on the wines. And um, I actually was in Pretoria last week when the team blended, so I still need to this afternoon just go and taste through all the tanks and double check the analysis, but it's looking good. Really excited. So with, in the next two or three months, we'll be taking away one skew to the next. So this week we'll probably start with Wine Masters Merlot, then the Cab, then the Irurut, the double barrel. The barrels have actually been emptied and blended together this morning, so we're putting that back so that we can blend that in September. So yeah, there's a whole process. Um, but like I said, Samuel really made it seamless and easy to just No, it's just the work. most, it's the most amazing, amazing setup. Dare I ask whether everything is still staying exactly the same? That's nice. I like to see somebody drinking wine at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Not only me. Um, the Boeing went over. <laughs> dare I ask, is everything smoothly integrating with the takeover from Heineken? How's that all worked out for you? You all happy? Oh, so in the production area, the winemaking team, we are all very fortunate and very happy. Our position stayed exactly the same. We are very excited. They can't afford to change you. They cannot afford to change any of you. <laughs> Put some That's about working team. hard. It's about working hard and making sure that you're indispensable. That's what every, that's a message everybody needs to take from this, from this interview, if nothing else. Got nothing to do with any other privilege of any description. Just be the best. Yeah, so we are we are quite happy and fortunate and we're really looking forward to the growth opportunities and the route to market that Heineken will probably bring to the table for us uh, to mm. expand our reach, the Niederberg reach internationally and in, even in, in Africa. And mm. um, yeah, on the system side, it's a bit of a different story. Like you saw this morning, we had some technical difficulties, obviously integrating the systems and stuff. There's some growing pains there, but yeah. we are all hoping that by the end of the year, we'll be settled in nicely. Well, good luck. I've loved speaking to you. I love what you're doing. You're an amazing winemaker. You're obviously an amazing woman because you are superwoman. You really are superwoman <laughs> if we have a look at everything that you're managing to do. So good luck. I look forward to tasting the 2022 vintages and I hope we speak again soon. If you come to Johannesburg 
or Pretoria, you're not allowed to come without phoning me. And we'll okay. taste. I've got some old things in my cellar that we can taste together. Awesome. Some Niederbergs. Mm. Cool. Thank Looking you so much, Niska, and good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Have a lovely afternoon further. You too. Cheers. Bye.